Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Bridgeway Church Podcast. I'm David Bowden, and with me here in the studio is Bridgeway's Connections Pastor, Kelsey White. How are you, Kelsey? Doing great. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So um, I think a lot of people off the top are going to want to know, what is the Connections Ministry? What does that mean? Uh, Today we're going to be talking about hospitality. Is that all it means? Uh, So just kind of unpack your role a little bit for us there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Connections Ministry is primarily our Sunday morning hospitality volunteers. So these are our greeters, our ushers, the people serving the cafe, uh, people that are opening doors for you, and uh, some undercover greeters that we have roaming around the church helping to make a really weird mechanical process of meeting new people feel a little more natural. <laughs> undercover greeters. I know, isn't it? Cool. And the worst part is that's the coolest like job title, but by the nature of their job, they can't have name tags with the job title because they're undercover. Yeah, they they are the people that don't wear the lanyards. They're oh, the unsung heroes of Bridgeway. Such a bummer because that's the coolest name, the <laughs> undercover greeters. That's so fun. Well, so I think, you know, in each of these introductory talks we're having with the different pastors on staff here, we're trying to kind of dip our toe into your world. <laughs> and kind of understand the framework of it, see how it relates to Bridgeway's mission, see what makes it distinctive here at Bridgeway, see how it's anchored in the gospel and all of that. And so for for our conversation today, we really wanted to talk about um, hospitality. Since you said that's the main part of your job, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, let's start with, with this, uh, let's start kind of with a painting of the landscape here, because I know for a lot of churches, um, there, there seems to be a tension between uh, being hospitable, or, you know, we could even use the term seeker sensitive, where we're going to be overly concerned, you know, I guess overly would be qualitative, but uh, (laughs) we're going to be very concerned with, um, a a newcomer's experience whenever they, they come in. We want them to feel at home, welcome. We want no barriers between them and what's going to happen in the sanctuary. That's the seeker sensitive model. But then on the other end, you kind of have the more, um, I don't know what's a good what, is there is there a, a term for this like the more like faithful proclamation camp or something or like right right and I think I think the way you phrase that actually reveals a lot of the tension that's there <laughs> okay so it reveals this idea that either we are really concerned about the guest's experience right uh, usually the the non-believer the seeker and we want to do everything we can to make sure there's not a single offensive moment that's going to scare them off and so it's all about their experience and we have to create a, a memorable new experience every Every single Sunday, mm. or we are going to proclaim the gospel faithfully, right? And we're not going to cater to consumers. We're just going to preach the Bible, and that's good enough, right? Sure. And so, I mean, obviously, there is some tension there because the gospel is offensive, right? And so, if we're going to faithfully proclaim the gospel, we are going to offend people, right? But, but you're, but I think what you want to talk about today is, um, is, is that tension there between. You have to be seeker sensitive, or you have to faithfully proclaim that actually there's a way to do both. 
um, right? So what what is that tension and what lies behind that tension really is what I want to talk to you about. So can you unpack that tension for me a little bit and how you try to resolve it here at Bridgeway? Yeah, yeah. So I think that we feel that tension because we're not always thinking beyond uh, the idea that the Bible is anybody that is all that anybody needs. Mm. So, and that's absolutely true. The Bible is all that anybody needs. However, when people are arriving for the very first time on a Sunday, hopefully we're bringing in non-believers. Um, they don't know that yet. Mm. And though we are going to proclaim the gospel on Sunday mornings, and it is an offensive gospel. It begins with, you're far more wicked than you ever imagined, right. and you deserve to go to hell. Yeah. So that's really, really offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the gospel doesn't need protection. It doesn't need us to defend it or water it down so it doesn't offend. Uh, it is going to offend people by design. I mean, sure. uh, First Corinthians, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Right. So it's going to offend people, but we have about 15 to 20 minutes with people when they first walk through the doors before they ever hear the gospel preached. Mm. And so in those first 15 or 20 minutes, they're looking around and they're actually learning a lot about what we believe and why we believe it before they ever hear the gospel. Oh, interesting. And so what we want to make sure is that if we only have 15 to 20 minutes with people before they hear a really offensive gospel, we have to ask the question, how can we best prepare them for that moment? Uh, so when we ask ourselves that question, the idea of faithful proclamation um, actually propels us to think very carefully about the experience of unbelievers that join us on a Sunday. Okay. All right. So so what you're talking about is not putting barriers in between people as they come in the door and hearing the offensive gospel, and then you also hit on um, how do we how do we proclaim what we believe before we proclaim what we believe? Like, so like, how do we show the gospel with our actions before we show it with our words? Is that right? Right. I mean, think about it in, in other terms. Um, th- I mean, one of the easiest ways to simplify this is to think about it in terms of coming, having somebody come over to your house. Okay. Um, if I invite somebody over to dinner, God is not glorified when they come over, the lights are off at my house and no cars are in a driveway and they show up and knock on the door and all the lights are off inside my house. And I show up hurried in the last five minutes, you know, before that they were supposed to, before they were supposed to arrive, say, oh, oh I'm sorry, I wasn't ready for you just yet. And I welcome them inside my house, turn on the lights, throw in a frozen pizza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, kind of pick up a few things around my house in the moment. Those people don't feel welcomed. They don't feel especially cared for. Sure. And there's a good chance they're not going to want to come back to my house. Right. It doesn't matter how loving I am towards them when they're when they're there. What I did is communicate that I wasn't prepared for them and I didn't actually mm. care about them. Right. So now expand that to a Sunday morning. What happens when people arrive? We don't have all our lights on. We still have some trash out. Uh, we aren't actually ready for them. When they arrive, they're going to see what we believe before we actually tell them they're going to see that we aren't actually prepared for them to be there and we haven't actually thought about uh, their experience and they're going to draw from that that we don't actually care about them so when they feel like they're not actually cared for then it's hard to tell them a gospel that begins with something really offensive and says but jesus so loved you and cared for you that he came down and died for you (laughs) and he's called us to love and care for each other and to go out into all the world right they're not going to see that at all sure 
there's a disconnect there already between what we're preaching and what we're showing. Right, yeah. right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I can't help but think with the the home metaphor that you just used is about like hospitality is definitely not an end in itself though. No. Right? So you're like, God's not glorified if someone comes over and all our lights are off, we do the frozen pizza thing, but God's also not glorified if you throw a great party but never talk about him. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, right. Right. Okay, so let's, we're, we're gonna get to unpack that more a little bit later. I just wanted to flag it for now. What, mm-hmm. Before we jump in, in any more, I, what I want to do is, is kind of say, this may seem like a really dumb or obvious question, but uh, is there or what is the biblical basis for hospitality? You know, it's like, is there, are we commanded to act this way when people come into our buildings? Like, I, I know, I realize, I realize it feels like a dumb question because it's like, oh, Christians no. should be nice to people, right? Like, but you know, I, I'm kind of wondering, especially when it comes to the church service, you know, and like, in our in our places of worship, what's the biblical basis for hospitality? You know, that's actually a really good question, and it's not as obvious as it sounds on the okay, surface. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have this gut reaction. You're like, okay, I know Christians are supposed to be welcoming and kind to people. Sure. But when I look all through the Bible, I don't see anything that says uh, that we should have ushers or that we should right. brew coffee or <laughs> that oh, we should open doors and hand out bulletins. It's nowhere in there. Right. Um, and so it's not actually that obvious. So part of what we have to well, let me back up. Okay. The commands we see to be hospitable really often revolve around opening up our homes to people and sharing mm. meals with other believers and outsiders. So we have one another in commands, you know, uh, be hospitable, be right. hospitable without grumbling. Um, and we also have commands to be hospitable towards outsiders. Um, so one of the things that we have to remember is the church that the New Testament letters were written to uh, didn't own church buildings. They right. were actually meeting in homes. Yeah. So when you see all these commands to be hospitable and they're surrounding the idea of being hospitable in your home, it's also going to uh, take place in the in the context of a, a Sunday gathering because these are happening inside somebody's home. So what we want to do then is is look at these commands to be hospitable, which are rampant throughout the New Testament. Right, yeah. Uh, and in fact... Um, it's so important that it, Paul lists it as one of the requirements for anybody that's going to be one of the primary church leaders, the mm. elders. Um, he says, you have to be hospitable. And he lays that right right beside, not a drunkard and must be upright and holy. So being hospitable is incredibly important to God. He, it, It's so important that um, the idea is if you can't make outsiders feel welcome in your own home, you are not able to lead the church to follow Christ's commands. That's interesting. That's so, helpful. That's actually really helpful. Yeah. So so okay. it's that important. So what we want to do then is take the this Christian principle of hospitality in our homes and then put it into practice at an institutional level on Sunday mornings. I see. Um, is there is there another way to, to, to correlate those two as well? I mean, so since the early church kind of started in, in homes, and now, you know, obviously it's become, you use the word institutional, so I feel like I'm allowed to now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that has a lot of connotation to it, that, mm-hmm. that word. But um, is, is there a sense in which um, this this these church buildings that people come to, when people come to our location here on Hefner Road, you know, at Bridgeway, that we should understand this as like some kind of communal home? or are the, Or do you see those as completely separate? in terms of like the early Christians house churches and our buildings today? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, when I'm speaking to our volunteers in the connections ministry, I couch everything that we do in terms of something that people understand. 
really naturally, which is hosting somebody in your own home. Right. So I, I, I think there's a sense of that. For instance, our ushers, uh, their job is to make sure everybody has a seat in our sanctuary the same way that a host would make sure everybody has a seat at their dinner table during a party. That's right. Our greeters make sure that we're welcoming people on their way in the same way that you are ready for people at your door whenever you're expecting them to come to your home. Right. Um, and we don't charge for our food or coffee at Bridgeway. Uh, because we believe that part of hospitality is not charging for the things you're offering. So when you I invite somebody into my you home... You don't charge people for food whenever they come over to your house? I, I really <laughs> wish I did. I can make a lot of money off of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so we you don't charge somebody right. when they come over for dinner, and so we're not going to do the same thing. Uh, now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with a, a church asking people to pay 25 cents for coffee to help cover costs. Sure. Uh, we are blessed by people that give generously to Bridgeway, and that allows us to do that. But we do that as an extension of our desire to be hospitable in the same way that you're hospitable in your own home. Okay, so we've taken a little bit of a look at how the tension between the seeker-sensitive, we should care about people when they come through our doors, should be hospitable, uh, that camp, and the, well, we just have to faithfully proclaim the gospel, how those don't necessarily have to be in competition. Um, they can be if we allow the seeker-sensitive model to overtake faithful proclamations where, well, we don't want to be offensive to anyone, and so we just don't preach the gospel. <laughs> that right. would be a mistake. Um, but we see that the, 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 the dichotomy or the tension there is not necessary. Um, and then we also talked about the biblical basis for hospitality and uh, seeing our church building as we would a home and, and kind of correlating those two. Um, but one of the things we haven't talked about yet is kind of, kind of lies under all of this. It's a presupposition that we're making mm-hmm. and that we've, we've said a couple times here is that, well, unbelievers should be in our church buildings, which is a presupposition. Right. Why, why should unbelievers be in our church building? It, so, so answer this question for me. Uh, should Sunday mornings be evangelistic like should we be aiming towards unbelievers at all on our sunday mornings because when i look at when we look at the the new testament there's a lot that has to do with um the 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 gathering being for christians right right and so help me understand why we should be so concerned about unbelievers in our church building i know that might sound like a calloused question i promise i'm not being callous no no that's a really good question but i i think we need to unpack this presupposition a bit that's a good question that i think a lot of people ask and and i had to wrestle to the ground myself so i think the church is not only called to gather to worship but also called to gather more worshipers Mm -hmm. that's kind of the heart of the great commission so um listen to the way paul encourages the colossians uh he says walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So this is really what the Connections Ministry at Bridgeway rallies around. So we think that we are going to walk in wisdom with outsiders, with unbelievers, and live our lives in such a way that we make the best use of every opportunity that we have. And this this applies to Sunday mornings too. It's not excluded. So if if, if a, a somebody is at Bridgeway that's not a believer, it doesn't mean we can throw this out the window. Right. 
So we only have 15 to 20 minutes with him. We've talked about this. How do we make the best use of that time? One of the things that Paul says is we need to let our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So we want to make uh, the gospel and the Christian life in Christ as appealing as we can in the way that we walk. And all of this is ultimately so that uh, we can have opportunities to have more conversations with people that aren't believers. Okay. So that that's a command not specifically for Sunday mornings. Right. However, I don't think Sunday is excluded, and, here, and here's the reason. Um, just because the primary purpose of the weekly gathering is for building up the body of Christ, it doesn't mean that that comes at the expense of non-believers. So we can have a mm. primary purpose that doesn't actually exclude other subsequent purposes. And in fact, we see this in 1 Corinthians uh, where Paul commands just the opposite. He says, uh, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues mm-hmm. and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his faith, face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So Paul is really concerned at this point that the Corinthian church is making sure that their worship gathering is actually intelligible to outsiders. Mm. And he expects that they're going to be there. And not only does he expect that they're going to be there, he expects that if the church is operating in the spiritual gifts uh, as they should, that that person might actually be converted on the spot. Sure. I mean, that's evangelistic. Right. That's, that's very evangelistic. attractional. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it is attractional, but it's also... Uh, it's definitely a different version of being seeker sensitive, right? Because this is uh, it, what you're quoting is 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 this prophetic ministry which reveals the secrets of the heart. Paul says, right, which is not a pretty picture, no. like because the secrets of our heart are nasty, right? right like, those right. are not comfy at all, you know. And a lot of times the seeker sensitive model is more like we're going to make you feel so welcomed that you want to stay, right? This is we want to make you feel so convicted that you want to repent. Absolutely, that's, that's very different. And how many times have you entered into a conversation where you're asking a friend to repent or you're drawing out the sins in somebody and you weren't really careful about the way that you entered it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't just, yeah, you don't just enter into a, Hey, let's, let's go get coffee. I got to, you know, to talk to you about how messed up you are. You know, it's like, you you don't just dive right in. Well, even that getting coffee together. What is that? Yeah. That's hospitality, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. I I think that's really helpful. Uh, Is there, is there any other, is that the only, I'm just curious if, if, if it is, that's fine. Is that the only kind of reference to an unbeliever coming into the, an outside church service that you were able to kind of track down in your preparation for this? No, actually, I mean, one of the things that we see throughout the entire Bible, and, and this is something that J.D. Greer did a, a, a great job of uh, pointing out in his book, Gaining by Losing. Okay. Uh, he has a whole chapter, uh, I think he calls it missional or attractional, we should be both, or something like that. Yeah. That uh, even the design of the temple is uh, surrounded by this idea of bringing in outsiders. So you right. have this whole court of the Gentiles sure. that is there to be a place of prayer for all the nations. Mm. And you see throughout the Old Testament this... Uh, attraction to the temple where people from the nations that aren't uh, part of Israel and aren't necessarily followers of Yahweh come and get to uh, get a peek into the worship experience. Mm. Um, And not only that, but in the New Testament, you see Jesus going in and throwing uh, throwing out the money changers and turning over tables in the court of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So his anger is, is not only the fact that they're selling things, but it's actually that uh, they had taken this place that was supposed to be uh, welcoming and hospitable and a uh, a place 
of prayer for all the nations where the outsiders could come in and enter and see uh, these, this intimate moment and see the power of God at work. And they had turned it into something that was actually only a convenience for themselves mm. at the cost of outsiders. Interesting. And I think we have to be really careful about doing some of the same things. So we're careful about not selling things and, and trying to uh, fleece people and, and, and uh, take advantage of people. But we're not always very careful about being aware of the outsiders among us. And, and I think that we, that's to our detriment. Mm. Can you, uh, can you give me like an example of, of that, of not being aware of the outsiders among us, some of the, some of the pitfalls maybe that we, we even commit sometimes? Yeah, I, I think some of that, um, now obviously it's not on the same scale. I, I, don't, I don't think Jesus is going to come to <laughs> bridge away with a whip. Um, but I, I think you can do that in only using insider language. Okay. Um, only addressing a crowd as if there are no outsiders among you. I see. Um, one, one thing is, is we actually think very carefully about making sure that we have signage for for people right uh, because we want to make sure that when you come you can find your way around yeah. so it's it actually communicates a whole lot if you show up to bridgeway and there are no signs telling you where the restrooms are right which is what i love about your house because yeah. when i come to your home there's there's signs that show me where your bathroom yeah is. you know I, I do the thing where you have the like footprint decals that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just so hospitable that like your house is basically like a church foyer. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's, that's helpful. Um, one of the, one of the things that keeps popping in my head while you're talking about this stuff is, especially when you talk about the, like the, the temple, uh, or the, you know, the tabernacle, like this mm-hmm. outside area that was, um, that allowed for, you know, Gentiles to come and see the distinctive power of God coming and working and mm-hmm. you know whenever and then in first corinthians it's like people are coming in as these outsiders these unbelievers and they're seeing the power of god on the inside and people are prophesying and speaking out the inner parts of their hearts and uh what's interesting about that is that like it seems to be like the pattern that you're pointing out here is that people are coming in and they're seeing something different like they're seeing something distinct from culture right, right. they're seeing something unique um, they're not coming in and seeing uh, a rock concert that they would go to on any given Saturday. And so why, I mean, why is it that the seeker-sensitive model often tends towards syncretism and away from distinctiveness? Like, and how do we fight that? Like, I, I'm just very curious at that. Yeah, and I want to be careful not to speak too negatively about any of the churches in, in, in our city or, oh, yeah. or in our area or, or paint the seeker-sensitive movement with too broad a brush. Sure. Uh, I think one of the dangers you can get into with um, being way overzealous for uh, the seekers and outsiders and being very careful not to be offensive in any way possible. So we, we want to be offensive about the right things yeah. and not have anything else be offensive. Um, That's good. You know, Danny Franks, who who authored uh, the one of the books that, that has really informed everything, um, informed the way I think about all these things. Mm. Uh, he wrote a book called People Are the Mission. He uses a phrase where he says that gospel is offensive and nothing else should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the, the, the best model for the way we think about hospitality. But if you go too far and you say nothing should be offensive, you actually miss out on the on the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. So hospitality should magnify the gospel, but it doesn't actually proclaim the gospel. Um, so my demonstration of love can't purchase anybody's entry into the family of, of God. Right. Uh, I can't adopt them. So that only comes through belief and trust in the work of Jesus uh, on your behalf. 
And uh, as, as Paul describes in Romans, he says, how are people to believe or how are they to believe uh, in him whom they've never heard? Right. Uh, how are they to hear without preaching? So we actually have to at some point verbally yeah. speak and teach somebody the gospel. Um, and the the hospitality without ever sharing the gospel is really just being nice to somebody on their way to hell. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then hospitality uh, or the, the gospel proclaimed divorced from any hospitality uh, is actually, I believe, an affront to the God who is hospitable to us, who we are uh, responding in hospitality to others because of his great hospitality towards us. So you talked about how uh, the gospel magnifies hospitality, um, and uh, I, I'm immediately thinking about the ministry of Jesus. Right. Um, and and I hadn't I hadn't put these two together before until you were just talking and like seeing how um, so much of Jesus's ministry, um, you know, proclaiming the gospel, um, showing how. Uh, the poor aren't aren't outside his reach. The outsiders aren't outside his reach. The rich aren't outside his reach. Right? He 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 went he went to everyone and and was uh, hospitable in a sense, but he was also quite offensive in other in other you know sense. You can't paint Jesus with a broad brush. You just right, can't do it. Right. It's you got to use the little tiny detail brush with Jesus always. Yeah. Um. And so, uh. But I do think that he he did not minister to people just by saying. Hey guys, here in like a year, I'm gonna die for your sins, right? He right. he demonstrated his love for them through healing and meals together, right? And like kind words, but that all pointed to the culmination of his love for them in the cross, right? We can't separate the two, absolutely. So you can't have hospitality without the gospel, and the gospel is magnified, as you said, through hospitality, right? So uh, unpack that a little bit more. Like, how does God show us hospitality, and how do those work together? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Jesus promised during his earthly ministry that he would come and prepare a place in his father's house for us, and he would come back and bring us in. Oh, that's interesting. And because our, our, our church is setting in Revelation, this is one of the things that's been really powerful to me right now, is that our entire future hope is wrapped up in this moment of divine hospitality, where we look forward to the, uh, a future where... Uh, God invites us in and he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. Mm. And God invites us into his home to dine at his table during this wedding ceremony in a place that he is prepared for us. Uh, and that is not just the people, that's not the people that are deserving. It's, it's the people that are his enemies, yeah. his re, re, these rebellious, wicked people. And he has cleaned and, and uh, prepared and made worthy. And then he has done all the work that's necessary to bring these outsiders into his home. Mm. And, and this moment of divine hospitality promised this feast for us in uh, his perfect home and we're adopted into his family. And so because we worship and trust and follow a God that is hospitable like that, I think we're propelled then by the gospel to offer some semblance of that to the rest of the world as well. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I have never thought about eschatological hospitality, right? <laughs> yeah. end times hospitality. There's a really, really small portion of the population that would love that book. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll do a survey with our listeners. Would you purchase the book Eschatological Hospitality by Kelsey White? <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. I love that. Okay, so um, I mean, what what what's what do we have left that you want to make sure that we talk about under this heading here of uh, gospel and hospitality and everything like that here on your first appearance on the podcast? My first appearance. Yes. yes. Uh, I think one of the things that we hinted at but didn't. Uh, touch on really specifically was uh, the way the gospel magnifies hospitality. So we've oh, yeah, we've sure. assumed it and we've talked about it. Right. Um, and so I want to get into that. And and I hate stories when somebody tells a story and they're the hero of their own story. <laughs> so I, I'm going to tell a story, and and my intent is not to be the hero in this. It, it's it's to talk about how uh, the fact that God has instituted this idea of hospitality as being so wise and, and so amazing yeah, and so just, effective. Just, just do it the way Paul did in 2 Corinthians. You know, I know a man who was caught up into the third <laughs> yeah. heavens. No, so it's fine. Have at man. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think this is especially seen in, in, we'll go back to the home analogy, when we invite people into our own homes. Yeah. So uh, I have a, a Japanese friend who um, I've been seeking to uh, connect with and uh, deepen my relationship with. Um, a, because I love him and care for him. And I also want to share the gospel with him because I love and care for him. So the hospitality, hospitality is not supposed to be a tricky way for us to mm. have get an ear for somebody. That I mean, that's horrible motives. Uh, hospitality is a way to invite in somebody that is an outsider towards yourself or to invite in somebody else from the community of faith and genuinely love and care for them. So we don't want to use hospitality as a clever tactic. It's, it's genuine. It's genuine love and care and affection for somebody. Right. So when I invited this friend over to my house, um, he had only been into one other American home. And so we prepared our home for him. We had a meal with him. One of the things that I did was explain to him what was happening uh, throughout the meal. I explained to him why we were praying with our one-year-old daughter who didn't really understand what we were saying. Oh, yeah. Um, I talked about American traditions. We talked about you know, different ways of viewing life. Um, and this moment came where it was time to put my daughter to bed. And so one of the things that my closest friends know about me that other people don't know is that I hate to sing. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible, horrible singer, and I'm really self-conscious about it. But one of the things my wife and I do every single night uh, before we put our daughter to bed is we, uh, we hold her, we cuddle her, and we sing these two, so two worship songs together mm -hmm. and, and, and then pray and then lay her down for bed. And it's this really, really intimate moment. And my wife's really one of the only people that actually hears me sing yeah. uh, because I'm, I'm so self-conscious of it. So we invited this friend into that really intimate moment uh, between in, in my family where we were singing and, and, and holding my daughter and, and, and cuddling her and uh, rocking back and forth. Um, and it's really intimate and really vulnerable. And, and he got to witness this moment uh, and afterwards ask so many questions about mm. why we sing those songs, why we do the things we do. And it opens up all these opportunities to be able to talk about the gospel and how the gospel leads us to desire this deeply for our daughter and how I, the same way I desire that for my daughter, I desire it for the other people that I love. And so seeing that really intimate moment for him and having it explained to him in an intelligible way actually 
drove him to ask more questions. And I think that's that synthesis of uh, Colossians and 1 Corinthians, oh, where sure. we make the worship service intelligible and they get to see this intimate moment, but we also walk in wisdom and season our speech with salt so that people will ask questions. That's really helpful. So yeah, what you're what you're saying is that like not only do are we not wanting to put obstacles in the way of the gospel. That's that's one of the points we talked about earlier with hospitality. But you're actually saying we we want to take it a step further. Right. That actually hospitality facilitates the preaching of the gospel. Absolutely. It doesn't just get it doesn't just help you know to get people to the gospel. It actually it kind of is an on ramp, right? And an right. explanation of right, yeah. right. That's really interesting. Um, one, one of the things I can't help but but want you to try to process with me okay. after hearing that story is is the comment you made in setting it up. Mm-hmm. And so you, you talked about um, how you you know you want to be hospitable to this friend of yours because you love him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that hospitality is not a sneaky way to preach the gospel, right? right? But we talked about earlier in the episode that hospitality can't be an end in itself. Absolutely, right? So I, I feel like I'm butting up against another dichotomy or another tension here where it's like. Is it like how how is it wrong to just be hospitable to unbelievers even in our homes or in our church buildings just and like is that a win like if I'm just hospitable and we never get around to talking about Jesus is that a win because like the incarnationalist you know kind of ministry model people would say yes right like you know we just need to love people and God will call you know God will preach the gospel to them through our actions. You know, but we've said no. You have to preach the gospel. We have to get around to the conversation after the 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 songs that we sang to our daughter. That that's, right. So how like is 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 hospitality? Can hospitality ever be an end in itself? Or do we always know like ultimately it doesn't matter how nice I am to you if I don't give you Jesus, I've I've done you a great offense. How do those go together? I, I think we're called to both. Okay, yes, of course. So we're called to be hospitable. We're called to preach the gospel. Um, and, and I think a lot of this has to do with that command in, in Colossians to be wise in the way we walk mm. and uh, to season our speech with salt and to make the best use of the time. So I might not always have time to squeeze in the entire gospel <laughs> in the limited amount of time I've got with somebody. And I might not have the trust built up to be able to right. do that. So part of that is being wise and knowing that God is calling people to himself. He is responsible ultimately for their salvation. I can't make sure it happens by having convincing enough speech, but I'm also called to be really faithful in the way I use my time and to walk in wisdom with outsiders. So I'm, I'm going to do both. I'm going to pursue both. Um, is it wrong to be nice to somebody because we want to be nice to somebody? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, is it is it imperative that I be seeking opportunities to flavor my speech with the gospel? Absolutely. And so I'm going to seek both, and I'm going to do both as faithfully as I can, um, and I'm going to try to be wise about the way that I do that and, and trust God with the rest. Mm. I can't help but sympathize with some of our listeners um, as we've made a lot of correlations between the home and the church um, and, and it seems like this is the one where it breaks down, where it's like at, in the church, we we're saying like, we're going to be hospitable until we offend you with the gospel. Right. But you're saying that it, that in your home, it operates a little differently because, you know, I might not have time to be offensive with the gospel. <laughs> right. 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 I, I've been, I've spent all my time being hospitable and you know, the trust isn't there. Well, the trust isn't there with the unbelievers in our churches. And then we just offend them with the gospel in church. Yeah. Why is it different for the home? I'm just thinking more practically for our believe for our, for our listeners on their day-to-day life, inviting right. people in their homes. I, I mean, anytime you proclaim the gospel and share somebody the gospel, it's, it's still offensive. It's still foolishness to somebody whose heart hasn't been transformed. Right. Uh, and so even then in, in our hospitality, we know that 
uh, we're going to reach a moment where we're going to have to share the gospel and it's and yeah. it's hurtful and it's painful and it's scary for people but it's also the power for salvation that's right um i think a slight nuance different is that on sunday morning uh when we are or we are preaching and we're expositing uh, and explaining scripture verse by verse and we are uh, proclaiming the gospel boldly every single Sunday to a group of people Mm -hmm. and it's harder to nuance it for an individual's life and to be wise for a specific person in that moment. And so we we, um, again have to look at this difference between a personal and an institutional level. That's right. That's helpful. It is helpful. It is helpful because we have a we have a command. You know, we or, well we don't necessarily have an ex- ex- explicit command. We me and uh, me and Sam talked about this a few episodes back on expositional preaching. Okay. Um, but so we don't have a command preach expositionally. You right. Know, present the gospel every Sunday. But you put the biblical data together. It we do. We right. have that command. Right. Uh, and so we would be wrong to not open up God's word, exposit it, show people Jesus convict them of their sin, offer them to repent, like that would be wrong, you know, and to not build up our own people through the gospel, through the preaching of God's word, but that we don't necessarily have that command or implication when we invite people into our homes every single time. Every single time an unbeliever is in your home, make sure you give them an altar call. You know, yeah, like that's yeah. not that's not necessarily, so that's the difference between the personal and the institutional, I think is helpful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not committed to make sure our bathtub's full of water every time an unbeliever <laughs> comes to our house. <laughs> I love that, I love that. Okay, so we've talked a lot about hospitality and the gospel. Let, let me pitch one last question to you, um, and then we'll, we'll close for today. Um, how should people who maybe don't even necessarily serve on the hospitality team, who kind of have this training, have this backbone, you know, you pray with our hospitality team every Sunday, you right. know, that you're here. Um, what about just like the average churchgoer who they come into church with their family and they want to know how to be hospitable. How, how can I help this be an environment where people can meet Jesus and help tear down obstacles to the gospel? All this stuff we've talked about, what encouragement would you give to the average churchgoer on being hospitable? Yeah, that, that's a good question because not everybody's serving on a Sunday morning. In, in our, our connections ministry, everybody in it is not just serving when they're actually, quote, on duty. They're, they're, they're serving every time they're here on a Sunday because we're all seeking to be hospitable and right. to use those spiritual gifts. Um, so one of the most practical, easy things that you can do is move toward and greet somebody. Yeah. So find somebody that you don't know. You don't have to know that they're here for the first time or that they're not a believer. You don't have to seek out and, and, and look for somebody that is necessarily carrying around one of our white bags that shows they're here for the first time on a Sunday morning. Um, move toward somebody that you don't already know and introduce yourself. Yeah. And if everybody's doing that on a Sunday morning, what happens is all outsiders are being brought in. And and then take it one step further, introduce that person to somebody that you do know. Mm. And that's one of the hardest parts about getting involved in, in a church in general, but especially a large church, is is getting to know other people. And so when we look at our own lives, we see that most of the time, most of the circles of friends that we have, most of the big opportunities and life-changing moments that we've had have happened because somebody brought us in and introduced us to other people. Right. And so that's one of the things that you can do on a Sunday morning. If it's awkward, that's fine. It, <laughs> not, not everybody is really, really great at going and finding a really natural pace and conversation with, with somebody that they don't know yet. I'm not one of those people that's great at that. But that's okay. The fact that you are moving toward and greeting somebody and then seeking to help them connect with other people, I think is um, a, a really practical and um, 
helpful way to put that idea of hospitality into practice on a small scale. Yeah, I can't help but tie it back into the home metaphor that we keep using. Like, and I think about it from both sides of the coin. So, like, if I'm hosting a party, right? You know, um, or even if I'm at a friend's house who's hosting a party. So, say, like, I'm at your house, you're hosting a party, and there's lots of people there that I don't know. You know, if I'm not going to have a really awkward time because you're around hosting, you know, I, I can't really necessarily hang out with you the whole time, and I don't right. know anybody else. Well, I'm going to go and, and introduce. I'm going to go meet somebody else. You know, or let's say like I know a lot of people there, and I see someone who seems like no one's talking to them. I'm going to go talk to them, and I'm going to like say, "Hey, I'm David. You know, tell me about yourself. Oh, you're into sports. Like, oh, you got to meet Tucker because Tucker's into sports. Like, right. you guys should talk because I'm not into sports, but I know he is. You know, and so I can make those connections for people." And I do that really. I would do that really naturally in a home environment, right? right? Or I can, I think of all the times that I've come to a party and I don't know anyone except the host, but the host is so busy that they can't accommodate to me. Mm-hmm. And those times that people have come in and they're like, "Hey, what's up? I'm so and so." That's ultimately not the person I actually end up interacting with. Right. I interact with the person that they introduce me to because they learn a little bit about me, what I'm interested in, and then they connect me with someone. Yeah. yeah. So I've never thought of it that way on like a Sunday meet and greet kind of time mm-hmm. where it's like learn something about someone. And I bet you anything, you know, someone in the church body that is intimately excited about what they're excited about. Right, or can right. Meet their need. And it doesn't even have to be that that meet and greet time. There's plenty of time before the service, right. which is usually one of the most awkward points for somebody that's new to Bridgeway, <laughs> is to show up and and they're waiting 15 minutes before the service because they get there because they get there early and they on get time, there early, unlike yeah. our people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the things you can do: get to Bridgeway a little early, yeah. and seek to meet people. That's a good practical um, step. Show up to Sunday morning with a view to the outsider. Um, when you go into uh, a home at, at, a, at a party or uh, your community group, everybody knows who the outsider is right. and, and recognizes that person and, and seeks to bring them in. And it's not always as, as clear on a Sunday morning, but if you come looking for somebody that, that uh, seems unconnected, just look for somebody that's standing by themselves. I mean, mm. that, that's an easy way to find somebody. Uh, help them connect. Um, you don't have to be a relational genius or supernat- like supernatural, <laughs> incredibly natural at, at right. doing that. Um I think God, God calls us to pull in the outsider and we can watch for them on Sundays and view ourselves as being commissioned to the outsiders when we gather together. Yeah. And I think like a, a big fear, at least of mine, is like trying to go and introduce myself to someone that I think is new and they've been here for two years. And yeah. I've been like, it's, but I've learned that like a really natural question is like, so how long have you been coming to Bridgeway? Absolutely. And then it's like, oh, this is my first time. Great. Oh, I've been here three years. Oh, awesome. Like, what community group are you in? It's like you haven't like you haven't really put your foot down one of the one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. One of the common things for everybody that's inside of our building is they can tell you how long they've been inside our building. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I introduced and Bridgeway's big. I'm I introduced myself to somebody that helped found Bridgeway one oh time. Gosh. I don't think I've ever met you. Hi, my name's Kelsey. How long have you been at Bridgeway? And they said, Well, I helped start it. <laughs> don't that's great that's great yeah right that's awesome that's awesome so uh, i think that's really encouraging well man kelsey thank you so much this has been really enlightening and i i've had so many questions around this topic for years and um interfacing with you not just here obviously but over the last several months has been really helpful in kind of uh, resolving some of these tensions and dichotomies that I feel like exist that really have a more healthy union. Um, so thank you not only for sharing that with us, but for working every day to bring those things to reality here at Bridgeway. We really appreciate you. Yeah, well, well thanks. I'm, I'm really glad to, to be here, and, and thank you for being so hospitable to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, man. 
Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bridgewayokc, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchokc. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.